be a product of my environment. I want my environment to be a product of me. me. In the pants, left the roof at the dealership. Welcome back, welcome back. You know what time it is. It's the Fan and the Van podcast time. A lot of interesting, uh, you know, football this past uh, Sunday. You know, AFC Championship, NFC Championship. Um, You know, the Tom Brady retirement talks. Is he retiring? Is he not retiring? Uh, We'll get into that in a few minutes. But the AFC Championship game, actually every playoff game this past playoff season so far is... Pretty much been nail-biting, down to the wire. Um, Some with controversy, missed calls. um, Pretty much in every game. But the thing I have to talk about first is, now I'm reading that they're actually considering changing the overtime rules because everybody wants to whine and piss and piss and moan and bitch and gripe. I don't like the overtime rule. The overtime rule is fine as it is. This is what it's called. I said it last week. I said it the other day. I'll say it now. And I'll say it tomorrow and the following day and a minute from now and seven hours from now, whatever it is. Play defense. Stop the other team from scoring. Get the ball. Drive it down their friggin' throats. And end the damn game. Or better yet, play better defense throughout the whole game. Execute on better play calling put up more points, and maybe you wouldn't have to go to overtime to win a game or, dare I say, lose a game, okay? But the one thing I got to say is this. Thank you, Joe Burrow. We don't have to see those two Nimrods and Patrick Mahomes' fiance, whatever the hell her name is, and his stupid TikToking fucking brother, Jackson Mahomes. Thank you, God. But with the Bengals comes a lot of debate as far as, you know, if you're a Steelers fan, do you root for the Bengals? The answer is simple. It's no. That's like a Giants fan rooting for the Cowboys to win the Super Bowl or a Packers fan rooting for the Vikings to win the Super Bowl. You just don't see it happen. Now, when a guy from your former team is on the opposing team, you know, on the on the rival's team, can you be happy for that guy's success? You could be happy for that guy's success, but don't be happy for the team. Um, you know, and there's a lot of criticism that comes with Mike Hilton, you know, you know, pretty much all the Steelers didn't even offer him a deal. Listen, if you're a real knowledgeable Steelers fan, he was a casualty of the salary cap. There was no way we were going to be able to get him, Bud Dupree, at the time to, to come back and sign. We, there was just no money at the time to do it. None of the restructured deals had happened yet, but that's not the topic. The topic simply is this past Sunday, you had two amazing championship games between the Bengals and the Chiefs, the Rams and the Niners. And in the Niners won, listen, you know, at the end, should Garoppolo have thrown that ball? I understand his point in trying to get rid of the ball. But if you were going to do it, you should have chucked it a lot higher than how you did because I would have rather taken the sack there than what happened there. Um, you know, and when it came down to quarterback play at, at that time, Garoppolo just didn't he just didn't live up to the hype of which is Jimmy Garoppolo. 
And a lot of people are questioning, is, is this his last game as a Niner? Where does he go from here? I got to be honest. If I'm John Lynch and I'm the Niners, if you think Trey Lance is ready to go, you're banking on a lot from going from an almost going to the Super Bowl team to possibly just barely making a wild card. And listen, I'm not saying Garoppolo is, you know, this surefire Hall of Fame quarterback, but would you win more if Garoppolo is your quarterback over Trey Lance right now? Yeah. You're probably going to. You're probably at least, I would have to say, if all things went right, you would be the NFC West champs next season. But that's barring a lot of things having to go right and the Rams having to flounder next season and the Cardinals going back to being a shitty Cardinals team. But if I'm the Niners, especially the fact you got a lot of money invested in Garoppolo, and I get it, if you cut him, you could shed a lot of it. But you might be on the books for a lot of it. I got to see how his deal is structured and, and how it really works out in the end. But if I'm John Lynch, listen, I, I keep him another year. And, you know, if you're a Steeler fan, say, oh, why would you say that? You're a Steeler fan. Wouldn't you want Garoppolo? There's a lot of options at quarterback that we could look at. I don't think Garoppolo is going to be one of them. Just like he's got to stop friggin' imposing Roger, Aaron Rodgers and a Steelers jersey. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Okay? There's just not enough money to bring Rodgers in and try to lure Devontae Adams in with it. They both said wherever one goes, the other one's going to follow up his ass. Okay? That's it. That's what's going to happen. You know, but now let's get into the circus that is Tom Brady. Adam Schefter, I think it was, that came out and said that after 22 years, Tom Brady's retiring. Tom Brady's dad came out and said that's not true. Tom Brady's agent came out and said only Tom knows the accuracies and inaccuracies. Tom Brady has now come out and says he knows when the time is right. Here's my advice to Tom Brady. If you're going to do it, do it now. Don't leave your team in peril where here comes the draft and they don't know which route to go because they don't know if Tom Brady's coming back. See, when Ben retired... We knew it was coming, but we also had that small percentage of optimism that maybe Ben was just kind of teasing the idea, but maybe he feels he could go one more year. But then he came out the following week after the Chiefs game and he said, this is it, I'm done, made his decision, you know, didn't want to leave the Steelers in a situation. Here comes the draft with the 20th pick. And if Kenny Pickett's sitting there, do they pull the trigger? Well, we don't know because we don't know if Ben's coming back. If that's what Brady, if that's what the guys like Brady and Rodgers are going to do here, I implore you just to just make a decision and just stick to it. You know, a lot of people say that if Brady does retire, it may be one year to, you know, to kind of re-energize and then come back into the league next year. Maybe go to Tennessee. Maybe go here. Maybe go that. Listen, this isn't like the NBA when Michael Jordan did it when he retired, went to go play baseball, came back, won another three championships, went to the Wizards. Listen, football and basketball are two different styles of sports entirely. One is a lot more physical than the other. Okay, one, you're taking, uh, in football, you're taking harder hits than you are in basketball. And I don't see Tom Brady retiring for a year to just come back 
to go to another team to prove, oh, well, I was able to do it in New England for 20 years. I was able to do it in Tampa for two years. Let me go to, say, Dallas and win one there or Tennessee and win one there. It's, it's not going to happen. You know, what do you think? Tom Brady's going to, you know, put a stain on his legacy, even though there already is. Because let's be honest, you just don't want to sit there and you want to put out these things on Facebook and Twitter how, you know, for the NBA, Jordan's the GOAT, and rightfully so. And in tennis, it's Serena Williams. And in hockey, it's Wayne Gretzky and Mario Lemieux. And, you know, in baseball, it's Babe Ruth, okay? And football, you want to say it's Tom Brady. Okay, fine. If that's your opinion, then that's your opinion. But in my opinion, Tom Brady's legacy has a lot of stains on it. And Deflategate is part of it. Spygate's another one. So, is he one of the greatest to do it? Yeah. I'll give him that. You know, does he have a great football IQ? Yes. Do I think his style of play is what's kept him in the league for so many years? A part of it's that, and a part of it's the NFL officiating. I get there was the one year he was out, he had his knee torn up, and he's been relatively healthy ever since. Uh, Listen, I get all that, but if you don't think the NFL has had a hand in protecting Tom Brady to a degree, you're not watching the NFL that I'm watching then. Because we've all seen it. We've all seen it, and we all know what it is. Um... You know, and you could sit there and listen to this and say, oh, here, here we go. He's bashing on Brady again. Listen, I'm only bashing on the things that Brady has gotten slaps on the wrist for. I'm not bashing him for his style of play on the field. But when you look at certain aspects of Tom Brady's career and where it's altered certain things, the tuck rule is one of it. The Jesse James catch is another one. You know, there's countless ones where where a lot of calls have gone Brady's way that you wouldn't see a guy like Ben get or Eli get or, you know, let's go back to Dan Marino wouldn't even get. And the other thing is what people have to realize is that if Brady chooses this year to retire and we all... We're all going to sit there and say, oh, he's stealing Ben Shine, this, that, and third. It's not like he sat there and said, well, Ben's retiring. I can't let Ben have his moment. I have to have the moment. It has to be about me. I don't think that's what's in Brady's head. I think that's just what we, the fans, are putting out there, that we, we just need to stop thinking about it as such. You know, listen, Roethlisberger's 39. Brady's what, 44? At some point, you knew this was going to happen. Whether you're a fan of Ben or a fan of Tom Brady, you had to come to realize at some point here that they were going to retire either a year apart or together. Even though they didn't come into the league together, one came in, what, four, about four years before the other. But... If you want to do a comparison of Ben to Tom Brady, did they both have an impact on their teams when they had to take over for for injured quarterbacks? Yeah. They did. 
Because once they were handed the keys to the kingdom, they never relinquished them. And for that, you have to give both Tom Brady and Ben Roethlisberger kudos to that. But back in 01, you have a rule made up that you've never seen call again that pretty much pushes Tom Brady right to the Super Bowl. And there's a lot of other things that happened, like like the, the Falcons-Patriots Super Bowl. I'm sorry. That one, that one, I'll give Tom Brady earned it. Because they were down 28-3, to and Tom Brady went out there and said, I'm not losing like this. And he went out there, and yeah, there was a catch in that game too. Let's that kind of went Brady's way, and it was with James White. It's same exact thing as as, as uh, Jesse James, but yet that was deemed the catch by the same official, mind you, who said Jesse James's catch was not a catch. Hmm, wonder why that was. But anyway, as I digress from that, or at the end. Just announce it. Don't put your team in this peril of, well, is he going to retire? Is he not going to retire? Because Tampa's draft plans have started now. If you're a team that's been eliminated from the playoffs or a team that's, you know, they didn't even make the playoffs, your draft process started the day after. All right, we need to go this road. We need to look at this option. We need to go, you know... You know, we have to look at this position. We have holes here. We have holes there. You know, blah, blah, blah. You know, the Giants did it with replacing a GM who was inept and Joe Sheen, which, okay, you got your guy. Now, do I think you got the right coach? To me, I don't think so, but he'll prove everybody wrong, assuming they get in everything they need. And the Giants got a lot of work to do. See, just getting the GM, just getting the GM and the coach was only solving like half a percent of the problem. Because your other your other problems are, how do you revamp this offensive line with no money? Because the Giants, I believe, are over the cap by like 5 to $10 million. Could be more, could be less. But they're over the cap. So how do you get out from under that? Well, you're either going to have to restructure Nate Solder's deal or cut ties with Nate Solder. And let's be honest, Nate Solder ain't doing nothing for you. I think Sterling Shepard is another contract that they have out there that it's either restructure or cut ties. Kenny Galladay, you signed for all this money, and Daniel Jones had more touchdowns than him. And you got to restructure that deal. There's a lot of work, and there's a lot of things that Joe Sheen and Brian Dabble are going to have to do. See, I would have honestly... Went with Brian Flores because he's had two, even though it's only two proven winning seasons, he did it with a quarterback that nobody had hope in. He did it with less talent. And with the Giants, you're getting some talent. Daniel Jones is a talented quarterback to a degree. Saquon Barkley, healthy with with an offensive line that could create holes, is just as dangerous as, let's say... A Cam Akers in Los Angeles. When there's holes open, the guy could burst through for 20-30. You know, same thing with a Jedrick McKinnon in Kansas City. 
you know, and you're probably sitting there going, why are you not using big names, you know, like an Aaron Jones or Ezekiel Elliott? Listen, because Ezekiel Elliott hasn't done shit in two to three years. He got his money, and let's just, you know, you know, let's just give it to him, but he doesn't have to do anything else. And the Cowboys are another team. You know, does Mike McCarthy, I guess they're sticking with Mike McCarthy, but apparently there's rumors that they already leaked out that they're going to cut Amari Cooper. I wouldn't cut him. I'd try to trade him. Get something out of it. You could at least get a second rounder, maybe a third, a second and a third or a second and a fourth for Amari Cooper. You might be able to get a little bit more if you trade him to a, to the right team who needs a legitimate number one that Amari Cooper could be a legitimate number one to them. You know, I got asked yesterday, do I think the Jets cut ties with Robert, Robert Sala after year one? No, I think they let this experiment play out, but you cannot let it play out too long. If you have a repeat of last year, this season coming up, and I know I know, my friend Rob will agree with this, get rid of it. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. You know, there's been a lot of head coaching. There's been some curious head coaching hires I've seen, and Jim Harbaugh being named to, you know, either the Vikings or the Dolphins. If you can lure them away from Michigan and pay them top dollar, so be it. But don't be upset when you get to the big one and he can't win it for you. That's just all I'm going to tell you. Don't be upset when he gets you there, but he can't can't get you over the hump. You know, a lot, you know, this offseason, even winning football teams have a lot of questions to answer. You know, Tennessee's got questions. You know, is Tannehill really the future of this team? You know, can they keep Derrick Henry healthy? Can they bring in a legitimate wide receiver to, you know, play opposite A.J. Brown? Because Julio Jones is not it. Julio Jones is not it. You know, yeah, he's a big name, and he was a, a big-time wide receiver when he was healthy in his prime in Atlanta. But he's not in his prime, and he's not in Atlanta no more. You know, Atlanta, does Matt does Matt Ryan walk away? There hasn't been no talk of that. Does Matt Ryan walk away? And if so, what route in the draft does Atlanta go? Does Atlanta take one of the top three quarterbacks coming out in Matt Coral, uh, you know, Kenny Pickett, and Sam Howell out of North Carolina? And I think there's another one. So maybe it's like four. But this is a weak quarterback class. You know, Where does Mariota go? You know, does Russell Wilson get traded? Does Aaron Rodgers retire or does Aaron Rodgers go to Denver? Does he go to Tampa if Brady retires? There's another one they're saying. And I don't think Aaron Rodgers would go to Tampa to fill in the shoes for Tom Brady. I I don't see that happening. I really don't. And on the head coaching side of it, the Raiders won... The Raiders one really interests me. Because you would think with the biggest name in Jim Harbaugh out there, you would have went and got Jim Harbaugh. But you went and got Josh McDaniels, whose first tenure as a coach in Denver was like a Nightmare on Elm Street movie. It was a scary piece of shit. And 
that one really questions me, and I'm surprised if he even signed the contract yet. <laughs> I'm sure he did, but we all know what happened when Indy offered him the deal. The deal was as good as done. All of a sudden, up, I'm staying in New England. You know, and I always thought the McDaniels would have been smart enough to wait out Belichick. Because that would be where, to me, Josh McDaniels would be most successful. Being here, he knows all the players. He could keep the same system. It would be, you know, it would be his team and that would be it. But Belichick's coming back. He already said it. He said all signs point to yes, I'm coming back. Does Belichick ever retire? I think Belichick really loves what he does. I think he really loves standing out there looking emotionless every Sunday, you know, looking like a stone-cold robot with his stupid little sleeveless hoodie on, you know, just standing there with that ugly friggin' bull terrier mug face of his, and he enjoys what he does. Hey, so be it. If you like being aggravated for three, four hours every Sunday, but you're making millions of dollars to do it, hey, why not? I'm aggravated every day, and I get paid shit money, so... Yeah, like I said, but I'm not an NFL head coach. You know, where do the Steelers go as far as defensive coordinator? Now that Butler's retired, you know, they're keeping Matt Cannon as the offensive coordinator, and I don't like it. I would have sent a blank check to Mike Munchak and said, hey, listen, come back to Pittsburgh. You know, the Steelers are interviewing, I think, Ken Norton Jr. from Seattle, or they already have interviewed him. They asked permission to interview the Giants defensive coordinator and Patrick Graham, but I think he winds up staying in New York. Um, who I would really go and interview, honestly, if you could get permission from them, is Raheem Morrison. Because Raheem Morrison is the defensive coordinator for who? Oh, that's right, the Los Angeles Rams who are one of the top-tier defenses in the league this year. And I think Raheem, uh, Raheem Morris, even if you went and interviewed Leslie Frazier, would be huge improvements over Keith Butler. Although everybody's come out and said that for the past however many years, it's really been Mike Tomlin calling the, calling the defensive plays, and Keith Butler's just been the, the furniture piece just to have the title, but didn't do anything. Really doesn't matter, but bring in a legitimate defensive coordinator. Don't promote somebody from within that's never been a defensive coordinator. It, you know, and it was the same thing when I was telling people the other day. I'm like, listen, you know, congratulations, Giants fans. You got your coach, but he's never been a head coach. And I understand you got to start somewhere. But in New York is one of the toughest places to start your career as a head coach. And that's why guys like Robert Sala... And if I'm Brian Dabble, I go and watch press conferences and radio interviews and listen to prior sports talk radio interviews and episodes and whatever you got to do to realize that this city is one of the most critical cities and that has the highest criticism of every single player on every single team. Does not matter what it is. You could beat a fucking WNBA New York Liberty and you will get destroyed if you don't play up to par. You could be a golfer from friggin' Brookville, Long Island, and get destroyed by friggin' Boomer Esiason on, on WFAN. It's, New York is one of the toughest sports markets 
to play in because when you come here, we already have the expectation of you need to be successful. Now, I'm not a Giants fan. I'm not a Jets fan. So I, I, but I understand what the expectations are living in this state and living here my whole life and seeing what I've seen and heard what I've heard. I understand, especially Jets fans, there's a high expectation because you've sucked for how long? Then you had your little, you know, you know, your little streak where you got the two AFC championship games. You lost both of them, but you sniffed them. Okay. Then it went back to, eh. so I understand the Jets fans frustration, but at least you have a GM at the time and Joe Douglas who is trying to fix it. And unfortunately, you don't want to hear this, but you just have to bear with it. You just have to bear with it. It's, you know, the Giants, listen, Giants have always been synonymous with winning, always having winning seasons. And then all of a sudden, this, this tailspin happened. You know, all of a sudden, Jerry Reese is out. Here comes idiot Gettleman. Here comes the shit show that it is. And not that Jerry Reese was really doing great on his way out anyway, but... You know, could this be the sign in the right direction? All I could tell you is this, the same way I told Jets fans. You have a rookie coach, and you're going to have to give it at least a year to adapt to everything. That's why I'm saying if Robert Sala doesn't produce this year, I hate to say it, but you got to bring in somebody with more experience. That's why... With the Giants, listen, if they got it right, if 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 Marin Tish got it right with, with, with Joe Sheen and Brian Dabble, hey, congratulations. Good job. You proved the world wrong. You proved me wrong. You proved all the naysayers wrong. Congratulations. All well and good. Good for you. Good for you. But at the end of the day, if it's the same season with a new coach, a new offensive coordinator... With different players, then what's really going on in the land that is the Giants? And it's the same thing on the other side of MetLife with the Jets. But obviously, you know, there's a lot that's got to happen before that. We have to get through the draft, you know, and the more the mock drafts come out, the more I'll start going over them. Um, I might actually even do a mock draft this year to see who I think goes where. And, you know, that's pretty much it. But all I know is this, with the Super Bowl coming up, if you're a Steelers fan, there's only one team you're rooting for. And it's not Joe Cool, Joe Shiesty, Smoking Joe, Joe Burrow, or whatever. Okay? No. It's not the Bengals. It's the Rams, okay? And speaking, and I have to bring this up. I don't know what Terrell Owens said to Baker Mayfield. I think it was on Twitter he said it, but if you're a Cleveland Browns fan and you listen to this, who is the real problem in Cleveland now? Because look at where Odell is and look at what Odell's been doing. 
And you all sit there and you said Odell was the problem. Odell, Odell, Odell. Well, it's been more like Baker, Baker, Baker. And it's funny, too, because Matt Stafford was a Detroit Lion for 10-plus years. And in one year after leaving Detroit, a 36-year-old head coach, okay? 36-year-old head coach with Matt Stafford, Odell Beckham, both coming from two teams that have been synonymous with sucking, okay? And look where they are now. So maybe in Cleveland, it wasn't Odell that was the problem. Because all signs point to Odell as his great team leader. He's this great locker room guy. He's not the diva everybody thought he was. So maybe a lot of us who thought it, it was a bad portrayal on Cleveland sports media side of it and in New York. And maybe it's just this. Maybe when he was in New York, he was young and he was dumb and he thought he was the end-all, be-all and he realized he had to humble himself a bit. And when he tried that in Cleveland, they just said, fuck you, Odell. And Baker said, I don't need you, blah, blah, blah. I'll just use you as a decoy. But look at Odell now. Look at him now. Look at Matt Stafford now. The closest Detroit gets to a Super Bowl here is the fact that Matt Stafford's playing in for the Rams. And that Eminem's performing at the halftime show. Okay. Which still I could do without a halftime show. I'm one of those football guys that, okay, you have your your 10-minute halftime show. You know, you go over the highlights real quick. And then, boom, get right back into the game. Because the halftime show to me in the Super Bowl, it kills that momentum. And we saw that with the Niners and the Ravens in New Orleans. What was that, like in 15 or whatever it was? Where we had to have Beyonce, you know, I don't think you're ready for this jelly. Okay, first off, first off, there was no need for for a long halftime performance. One, two, I don't need to hear Beyonce. Three, stop at the halftime shows. I understand the Super Bowl is the WrestleMania of football. I understand it. It's the biggest moneymaker of the year, just not on the field, just not through the NFL but outside the NFL. A lot of money gets spent on the Super Bowl from mechanic shops doing Super Bowl boxes to stores doing Super Bowl boxes to people in their homes doing Super Bowl boxes to sports betting to you name it, money's being spent on it. Okay, but I don't need, don't need a halftime show. And if you're going to do it, Then move the Super Bowl to a damn Saturday, please. Please. Who can really enjoy a Super Bowl on a Sunday knowing that they're going to wake up still shit-faced from the night before and have to go to work? And then, God forbid, you call out sick from work, you get your boss like, oh, of course you're not coming in. Yesterday was the Super Bowl. I don't watch football. I was too busy watching the freaking gardening channel with my wife. And when it gets warm out, we're going to go and get ourselves some geraniums and plant them in the front yard. Move it to Saturday. Please. It just makes sense. And on Saturday, it would probably do, it would probably make more money. In my opinion, I think it would make a lot more money. 
But, my God. But, with all that being said, I gotta head out and go to Tropical Smoothie because they have a nice old happy hour. Get a smoothie for like $4.50, $4.60, whatever it is. It used to be $3.99. Thanks, Joe Biden, for fucking inflation, you piece of shit. Um, you know... I'll try to do one Friday. We'll go over the Super Bowl a little bit more. Um, there was talks within Major League Baseball. I'll try to delve into that a little bit more. Um, I'll see if I could get Jay to do one Sunday. I don't know if he's working or not. That's the reason why uh, we haven't been doing them together is, you know, the work schedules conflict. And sometimes the best time for me to do this is before work as I sit here at my desk. So, you know... But other than that, let's just hope for an amazing Super Bowl and not one like the Broncos Seahawks where it was like 55 to 3 by halftime and you were literally asleep or you were in the shower just crying because it was so depressing. Like, how can the Super Bowl be this bad? So, again, to all those who listen, retweet, follow... You know, it's it's appreciated. I'm not going to go down the list of where the podcasts are because everybody knows where they are. Um, you know, if there isn't a baseball, if there if the baseball season in fact does start, we will. I will discuss more of where the Yankees need to upgrade. We already know where that is, but we'll make a show of it. Um. And what moves the Mets still need to make to be contenders and not pretenders. So again, till the next one, stay safe, mask up, and as always, peace.